Blog Talk Radio. Issue 
Ladies and gentlemen, I give you our man of the hour. He is Ken Bortz. Well, good morning. How are you? How are you? <laughs> good morning. <laughs> well, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, it is morning for some people. Well, you know, you know Ken... Yeah, well, yeah, and Ken, it's yeah. technically morning because not... the sun hasn't come up yet because we have a blizzard going on right now. Well, that's basically yeah. what's going on. I'm pretty much resided in my house here, uh, too scared to go outside because I might uh, create a new dance step on the snow or something. But the big thing that uh, <laughs> I want to mention is um, uh, that uh, if uh, uh, Big Swing is driving, uh that's kind of dangerous because unless he's ambidextrous, how can he drive and run a phone at the same time? I have it on my little clip. Oh. Like I have a hang down clip and, um, okay. and uh, yeah. And so I'm just talking like through a Bluetooth, but to be honest, I completely, I, this is a new concept for us to do this Tuesday show. We do the Monday show that you guys host, uh, so graciously every yep. Monday, so that's part of my routine. I completely forgot about this show, and I had to drive for work. And Icon's like, "Hey, is the show ready?" I was like, "Oh shit, I totally fucking, you know, I forgot." So, uh, I'm yeah, I'm I'm kind of doing a little bit of both here. I'm also going to a shoddy reception service area. So if you call on me and you don't hear anything, it's probably because I'm in the middle of the boondocks and and, and I don't have any service. Thanks for writing, by the way. So yeah. <laughs> Well, well we that's have, really. We have Ken Bartzer. We Go have ahead. about an hour and a half. We got about an hour and a half here of Ken, and uh, we're going to cover a whole wide range of stuff. Uh, but I guess the first question is, Ken, and you've kind of uh, touched on it a few times on our show, but uh, since this is a new format, if you want to kind of uh, touch us, uh, uh, get us on board about how uh, your love for radio came about. Well, the most important thing on my brain right now for the radio station is send money. We are a nonprofit, and uh, one of the things that uh, uh, I don't seem to be, handled, be able to handle really, really well is the sales side of things where uh, you have to actually go out and drum up money and uh, I can handle all the rest uh, as far as being a, uh, an engineer, a DJ, uh, uh, you know, I can do the book work, all that sort of stuff. It's just that there's a disconnect with me someplace. I don't know if it's part of me, part of my personality or what. I am just not a good salesman. Um, I can go out and knock on doors. I guess that's old school nowadays. Everybody uses, you know, email and computers and stuff. But... In the old days, you knocked on doors and you met the people that you're going to try to uh, uh, get sales from and talk to them and uh, ask them if they wanted to sponsor your station, and then you told them about the station. Well, a lot of times, you never even got in the first door. Uh, they have what is called a gatekeeper that usually sends a lot of these people like me away. And uh, if you actually do get a chance to talk to anybody... A lot of times, they'll come up with some excuse as to not to uh, support you. 
they'll say, oh, well, the economy sucks today, or, uh, oh, I, why, don't, why don't you try in about six months or something like that? Well, that's all fine and dandy, but basically, you know what that means to me? That means a no. And because I take everything incredibly personally, I feel like that is an attack on me. It's an attack on my station, and it's it's something that uh, I'm just not very good at with handling. And if I get one of those during the day, it wipes me out for a whole week. It's just like, okay, now I've got to recover from this before I can do anything else. So that's why. I mean, I, I hear you there. I work in um, in radio in, in, in New York. I don't know how much Icon has, has briefed you on it, but uh, the station. Not really. Hey, guys, yeah, we're at, um, I'll be right back. I'll be right back. Okay. The, the, the station okay. That, that we're at is, um, you know, it's a major conglomerate, but, you know, it's an ESPN affiliate. Uh, so you know okay. it, it has all the funding that it, it has all the funding that it needs in that regard. But the other stations that they that they own, you know, uh, it's a country music station which is big. There's a hip hop station. There's all these things. They're all in the same building, but they're you know they're different stations. Um, yeah, they have a whole sales and marketing team uh, that just specialize in that. And I get how it would be difficult if you're not used to sales and you don't like sales and it's not really your comfort zone, um, you know, how it would, how it would be, you know, almost discouraging in a way to, to try to bring, you know, money into the station. Um, I, I think the biggest thing though, honestly, cause I have a buddy that works in, in the sales department, um, that I've known forever and, um, he's actually helped us out and gotten us some sponsors for our show. Um, he, he has changed his methods to social media and he has said, okay, what demographic are we looking for? Uh, are we looking for, you know, the, the 18 to 25? Are we looking for under 18? Are we looking for the 25 to 35, the 40 and up, you know, and you target ad campaigns towards those people. And in some cases you don't even need to physically talk to them. I mean, uh, until it comes time to actually, you know, ink the deal. But you target um, demographics based on things that interest them on social media. And you get your hands involved in a lot of things that interest them, and you talk about them on your station. And you basically – he told me that more exposure is good. If you basically – if you annoy somebody – to the point where they're like, fine, if you sh- if I sign with you, shut up. That works, uh, at least for him. <laughs> so the more, so, so the more exposure you have, the more you know, Ken's FM, Ken's FM, Ken's FM, Ken's FM. Everywhere they look, they see Ken's FM. Eventually, they're gonna be like, oh shit, maybe I should check this out. You know, Ken's FM. I right, what what do they got going on? What's what do they what do they have for me? Uh, if, if, if it's their first time ever hearing about you and you're calling blind or knocking on their door blind or whatever, uh, I mean, you're no different than a telemarketer trying to sell them car insurance. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Different. Yeah. So what I would, what I, how the fuck is this? This is a two way, this is a two way bridge. There's no way. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, There's no way this is a two way bridge. 
Um, all right. So, wow. Okay. That's frustrating. Um, Can sorry. you do a wheelchair stand I'm, on the side like Arnold Schwarzenegger did in the Twins there where he pulled up on the edge? You can let another car go by? <laughs> yeah, no, because there's, there's water on both sides of me. This is, okay, well, I'm off of it Ooh. now. Jesus, that's a tight bridge. Okay, so, um, yeah, I'm up in the country right now. I'm not, I'm, I had to do a delivery for something, so I'm I'm kind of driving in places I'm not accustomed to. So, anyway, um, but, yeah, so it, it would be it would be social media. I mean, if you can if you can make a flyer or you know somebody that can make a flyer or can make an advertisement or something, and, you know, you start pounding Facebook and pounding Instagram and, and pounding, you know, uh, uh, TikTok and pounding, you know, all these different platforms that people use, um, you know, that, that, may, that may work for you because this is a society that doesn't, that doesn't like to interact. This is a society that likes to sit behind their phone screen or behind their computer screen, and they have a very, very short attention span. If you can grab their attention the first time, boom, you know, uh, it's good. And also, their attention span is about three seconds. So if, you, if your first ad, the first thing they see, grabs their attention and they're like, wow, then they're going to they're gonna search you out. And, you know, it makes your job a lot easier. So I've been trying to get in touch with some people who excel at social media and trying to put a whole ad campaign together that way and it might be cheaper yeah i I mean you know you you download a free graphics program on your phone and and you can make some pretty cool graphics for yourself and you don't really have to spend all that much money we've got some people that are pretty good at art and uh are pretty good at producing flyers and uh i've gotten uh, offers a lot of people that uh uh, on social media that could help us out uh putting those things up there um, I think that, you know, you're right that that, uh, uh, that could probably be uh, an, an avenue that uh, we could take. But uh, I also think, uh, you know, there's a difference here between your situation and ours. We are a small organization. Uh, I'm the uh, president yeah. of the company, yeah. and uh, I wear pretty much all the hats. And, of course, you get spread pretty thin. And then having these things like... Uh, taking things personally and that sort of stuff affecting you, uh, you know, it puts a damper on things. And uh, hey, there's maybe using... There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. What, what, yeah, taking yeah. things personally? I know. I, I can't specialize in that. Go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say, my, my whole thing with that is you know, I, I I get how that's, you know, a smaller market, a smaller station, a smaller, you know, everything than, you know, what we have here in New York. Uh, even though I'm upstate New York, I'm not in the city, thank God, but uh, a little bit, little bit different. But still, the population is ridiculous. And um, I, I can see how that would be a little bit different, especially with the big corporate funding behind it. Um, but I think, I think, um, you know, you really just got to think of what you want your target demographic to be, because you're not gonna you're not gonna get everybody. I mean, there's there's no you know, there's people out there like different things. So if you want to say, okay, you know, I don't know if you you know you you're the president, you can probably see the numbers and things of listenership. You can look at it and say, okay, who's listening the most? Who do we want to target? 
and just go after them. Just just pound that that avenue. I mean, I'm talking I'm talking like going to you know places in town and having a little pop up tent and handing out T-shirts and playing music. You know, I, I mean, just be exposed, be out there in the community, and you know, make them recognize you. If they're not, if they're not going to recognize you on their own, then then force them to. You know, that kind of thing. I think the only I think Icon can uh, uh, attest to this is the, I think the real only uh, exposure that we benefit anything from are our fundraisers. Uh, we do a, a number of fundraisers throughout the year, and uh, Icon has helped us with those, and that seems to draw in people. And I think it seems like the more fundraisers we do, the more people we have turn out. So I mean, you're dead on. Uh, exposure is a real key thing. Um, our demographic is weird because uh, we originally we originally uh, designated our demographic as like uh, 18 to 34. And we're finding out with the format and the listeners that we've got, it's quite a bit broader than that. Uh, I mean, we've okay. had people show up to our events uh, in their 40s and 50s, and they say we just love the music. And uh, that is one thing that we can go off on a tangent here is uh, the reason why our station exists is because it is different and it is uh, geared to a population that right now doesn't seem to be being served by corporate America. You know, okay, so you have, have, you have a target demographic, then that's good. But, hmm? Yeah, I kind of want to touch on that a little bit. Uh, so, uh, okay. How long has uh, 89.1 Ken's FM been on the air now? We started broadcasting, uh, uh, if you actually go up to Facebook and look up Ken's FM or KNNZ, uh, you will find some videos, and one of them, uh, actually, uh, the video is on YouTube. That's a different site. So I hate to kind of jump you around here, but uh, if you were to look up uh, on uh, on the YouTube, the alphanumeric spelling for pirates, that may tell you a little bit about something here, <laughs> P1R4T3Z. Look that up. Look that up, and you'll see a video of our first broadcast transmission on uh, New Year's Eve Day, 2012. That was our first broadcast. We got licensed by the oh, FCC for uh, 39,000 watts because our antenna system wasn't approved yet. And they had to get that approved, and then they uh, gave us the license for 100,000. So we've been broadcasting for about 10 years. Yes, we are a full power station. Okay, 100,000. Wow. Okay, so, Icon, I don't know if you necessarily know what that means, but that is massive. Have so, I mean, can they can they hear you? Like, can they get your station in, like, Minneapolis? No. Uh, we have a... Uh, All right, so it's not that we, far. We have... No, we have a radius of about 80 miles on a good day. 80 miles. And, uh, okay. yeah, our transmitter is not in Fargo. Our transmitter is about 30 miles out of, out of town uh, by Barnesville, a little town called Barnesville, uh, about 30 okay. miles southeast. 
and my voice is going here. I'm going to have to get some water here in a second, so uh, you bear with me here. Go ahead. You can keep talking here. i got to go and grab something out of the kitchen. Hey, that happens. That, 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 that's been the, the growing theme with all oh, my friends where everybody's losing there. their voice. <laughs> I know uh, uh, that the filmmaker, Scott Han, he, he lost his voice the other day. I was trying to tell him he sounded like, um, what's that, that, that chef, that female chef um, that Meryl Streep played, <laughs> Julia Child. <laughs> So, Icon, um, I'm gonna I'm going through an area that that's really bad service. So I'm gonna ask one more question while they can still hear me, and then uh, and then you and Luke can take over until I get into a better service area because the GPS got me all turned around here. Um, Ken, how radio is such an unforgiving business, and it it's such a um, it, 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 it's I don't want to say it's a dying breed. But with all the social media and all the everything that's out there and all the different platforms and the ways that people can get information and hear music, um, and, you know, e- even in 2012, um, you know, we, we were really starting this technological age, uh, what made you decide not just to get into radio and work in radio, but to open your own station. Like, take us through that a little bit and, and your decision-making process on why you decided you wanted to open your own. Well, well, you know, it's, it's interesting. You know, Ken, uh, and I, I, I really do want you to tell this story after you answer the question, but uh, the, one th- the one story that you always tell that I, I can never get tired of is the one where you tell about how uh, you got a six transistor when you were a kid. <laughs> I still have the little. I think you you gave me a little black six transistor radio uh, a while ago, in uh, kind of commemoration of the story. But uh, that is quite the story. Um, it shows you my dedication, my interest, and. Uh, my addiction to radio, I guess, is the best way to say that. I've moved out here to the kitchen so that I can uh, uh, keep my uh, self uh, hydrated here. Anyway, it's a real simple story. Um, when you're a kid, nine years old, growing up in a little town on the west end of North Dakota, there's nothing to do. As a kid, you're always trying to find something interesting to do. Well, this kid would listen to the radio, and he had heard about a new invention called the transistor. And uh, transistors made things very portable, and you could run them on batteries. Well, our family, living in rural North Dakota and rural America, uh, we always had these big catalogs from, like, Sears and Roebuck and Montgomery Ward oh, yeah. and all of those. Remember those? Well, yeah, we got Sears the catalog. new edition. <laughs> yep. We got the new edition one year, and I was going through it. And uh, in the electronics department, of course, that's what I was interested in, interested in all the time. 
and they had this brand new thing called a six transistor radio. It was portable. You could put it in your hand. It ran off of a little nine volt battery, and uh, it was a little AM only radio, and uh, uh, you could order it for about ten dollars, I think, back then, plus shipping. Of course, like I didn't have a checking account. <laughs> Pretty much, uh, they didn't. Uh, uh, I didn't have a checking account or anything like that, so I saved up my money. I had a, a little paper route back then. Uh, you're going to love this. That paper route netted me three dollars per week. Oh boy! And uh, let me, let me for, guess. Who works for three dollars a week? You had to cover like 15 miles uphill both ways. <laughs> well, basically, it was just in town. Uh, the the uh, uh, the, uh, the the newspaper office would just uh, drop off the newspapers at my doorstep, and then I would take them and deliver them. Uh, they were free. Deliver them to uh, uh, everybody that I could get to in the town. And then they would pay me $3 a week to do that. Well, you know, do the math real quick. Uh, how long does it take to store up enough money to buy a $12, 10 or $12 You're transistor going. radio? Well, that's about a month. Four weeks. Yep. Four weeks. So I, so I waited. I saved it up. And then I got my money. And then I took it over to Dad and said, Dad. And I showed him the picture of the transistor radio in the, in the catalog. I said, Dad, can you go and order this for me? Here's $12. That should cover shipping and everything. And uh, he did, and apparently all he did was wrote a check <laughs> to Montgomery Ward, sent it in. And about two weeks later, I got this box in the mail, and it was my six-transistor radio. That opened up an entire whole world of entertainment that I had never known before. And uh, I listened to that. I, in fact, I think I became a uh, supporting member of EverReady Battery Company. <laughs> I would go through and, uh, oh, you could get you could get lots of different kinds of 9-volt batteries, but EverReady's were the best. And they lasted Is that the one with the black cat on it? <laughs> nope. Yeah. Uh, it, had a, a, it was a red battery. It was a red battery with a, a bolt, like a lightning uh, arc bolt. Uh, yeah. If that sounds familiar. Anyway, yeah. you can so, buy the Emory batteries so for a little under a dollar. What's that? So after you got, so after you got the radio, uh, you know, kind of like that song I always play. I know you don't like it when I play that, but the song by Lionel <laughs> Cartwright, I watched it all on my radio. That is your theme song. It's always going to be, uh, especially when you're on the show with us. But you, the other cool thing is, you know, like you said, you used to hide it under your pillow. You used to listen to ball games. You used to, used to listen to music like KMA in Boston, KDAB in Lubbock, Texas, whatever it was. But the next question I have is, how long before you started taking that thing apart, apart so you can learn the inner workings of a radio? Oh, you hit on something very dear to my heart there. Um, I I had to be careful because at that point in time, that radio was my only window to broadcasting. It was my only window to my entertainment. And if I tore it apart to the point where I couldn't get it back together and working again, uh, that was disastrous. So I had to be careful. But, yeah, 
Um, how long did it take for me from the time that I got it to the time that uh, I started tearing apart, wondering how it worked? About yeah. ten minutes. <laughs> oh, Jesus. First thing I had to do is, of course, you know, those little six transistor radios had really tiny speakers, and so I was uh, being uh, a, uh, an, an engineer protege back then. Um, I had torn apart a lot of different radios and got different kind of speakers, and tried to figure out how to hook up, uh, you know, a bigger speaker to that little one, and I found a way to do that, and then. Uh, Pretty soon I was experimenting with uh, different enclosures for speakers and trying to design ones that would make it sound really big and all of that. But the big you thing know, that just, that Karen, radio did that. for me, the, Karen, the, the big thing... I bet, you, I bet you what you did, I bet what you did was you, you took apart like 12 radios, you got 12 different speakers, and drew like, and, and cut like little holes in your bunk bed and put like... Line it with 12 speakers so you can have, like, a boombox bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the the beautiful thing of this is that that six-transistor radio didn't sound too bad when you had it right up against your ear. It was like one half of a headphone, you know. And uh, uh, to this day, they still don't sound that bad uh, when you put them right up well, there. And the, Kenny, the big thing actually, is that... Oh, continue. I'm sorry. The, I, I thought you were there. The, the big thing was that uh, this radio was an AM radio, and, of course, being under my pillow at night, what else happens at night if you're thinking about uh, AM propagation and uh, reception and stuff like that? Well, the you ionosphere get changes at night, and, then you, <laughs> and you, get, you get signals from a thousand miles away. Uh, in this little six-transistor radio. So I almost had it right when he was saying I was listening to the big powerhouses, the big flamethrowers on AM at night uh, in my own little bedroom. Uh, the big stations were 1520 KOMA in Oklahoma City, WLS in Chicago. Uh, there were other ones like uh, KTLK in Denver. And then later on I used to listen to... Uh, um, listen to uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, K-A-A-Y. And, uh, but they only came in at night, and it was because of the uh, atmosphere that changed at night enabled me to do that. Well, you know, the beautiful thing of that was those stations played rock and roll. And not only did I get, not only did I get my fill of rock and roll, but I got entertainment. Because the DJs I was listening to, even though I was nine years old and had no idea, these DJs were getting paid to be funny. They were getting paid to be entertaining. They were getting paid to create ratings for their radio station, which I had no idea what was going on. I thought they were doing it for hey me. Guys? You know? Hey, guys, there's a, there's a good point. He just mentioned they got paid to be funny. They got paid to be entertaining. They got paid to uh, yeah. get ratings. Now you know why we don't. Now you know why we don't get paid. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ken, it, it's funny that it's funny that you mentioned that for entertainment purposes because for me, I've always been you know a big sports guy, and um, you know I played three sports all the way through high school, and then you know, only one in college because they were electrically one in college. But I um, I was always a big sports guy, and for me. 
I was always interested in the sports broadcasting element of it. And I think what really got me was I was driving out one day with my dad who was doing some work. I decided to take a ride with him. I believe it was Cleveland that we were going to from upstate New York. It was a seven, eight-hour drive. And uh, we had 660 fans, uh, which is uh, WFAN fans out of New York City. Um, and it, it was it was Icon's uh, secret favorite team, the Yankees, were on. And um, they were uh, John Sterling, the broadcaster. And for those of you who know John Sterling, kind of an iconic voice uh, in in that. And then also from the wrestling, from the wrestling aspect of uh, on TV, you know, I think I'll talk. But for TV. Whenever watching a sports game, you know, announcers just kind of each other and they just kind of talk about different stats and different things, but you see what's happening. Video, type what's happening. You have to put the listener. And I always was more interested in if I couldn't see it and knowing what was happening and feeling like I was a part of the atmosphere. Um, and I always found that there was more emotion and more uh, dramatic calls and things like that on uh, sports radio during games than there was on television during games. And, you know, I just, I felt like, and I'll give you an example. Uh, one that Icon uh, will probably remember very well because I'm sure he still watches it back and, you know, uh, probably touches himself to it or something, was the, the Minneapolis miracle that happened a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, you watch that Minneapolis miracle on television and you get Joe Buck, you get Joe Buck coming out saying, you know, X, you know, X, touchdown. Unbelievable, you know, and, and you see everybody and, and you know, jumping around or whatever. Then I go back and in the name, and you go on and you listen to the exact same play uh, from the radio host standpoint, and there's so much more emotion in it, so much more excitement in it, and you really kind of get those goosebumps from it more mm. so than you would watching it on television. There's nothing that an announcer on television can tell me that I can't see with my own eyes, but right. they can tell me what's happening if I can't see it. And I think that that's really what wanted me to get into sports broadcasting was John Sterling and the fact that, you know, he had the nicknames for all the players every time they would hit a home run or something. And, you know, he just had such excitement in his voice where, you know, you watch like Michael Kay, for example, and it, it's like it's like watching paint dry on television. Like I hate watching paint dry on television. So. <laughs> uh, that, that parallels almost exactly, uh, of course, two different uh, fields there. Uh, you being interested in sports, and of course me being interested in radio or rock and roll and music. And uh, but the, the parallels are almost identical. It's almost identical because uh, that's what radio did for me. Uh, it was entertaining. Uh, the disc jockeys, I, uh, you know, if it weren't for the rock and roll, you listened for what they were going to say or what they were going to do between the records. And uh, that's what attracted me. And uh, like you, 
I've listened to that enough that I started saying, okay, I want to do this. I want to be a broadcaster. I want to own a radio station to be able to do this. And that's where it all started. At nine years old. My my mom's still, I mean, I'm I'm 35 years old, and my mom still reminds everybody that when I was a kid, she used to walk in on me. She thought she thought I was talking to myself. She'd be like, "What the hell?" She'd open up my door, and I was playing. I was playing like Madden, or I was playing a baseball game, or I was playing whatever. And I'd have it on mute, or I'd have announcers turned off, and I'd be doing the game myself while I was playing it. And you know, I always found that to be interesting. And I I constantly criticized and constantly listened to broadcasters, and I'm like, "Wow!" Like you know, they could have done that better, or wow, there could have been more excitement in that, or wow, there could have been, he could have said that better. And, it, you know, it pushes me to to want to be better. Like, I'll record, I, I do play-by-play for a local college up here in, in upstate New York, and I record every single one of my broadcasts. I know I can just go on YouTube, or I can go back to the radio station archives and listen to the broadcast, but I record it on my cell phone, and I'll be listening to it on the drive home, oh, man, I, I could have said that better, or, oh, that was not quite where I wanted it to be, or, oh, that sounded good, or, oh, I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to archive that. And, you know, it's always getting better and always knowing, you know, that there's room for improvement. Um, exactly, and, exactly. Yeah, for me, you know, and, and, then, and then you got guys like Howard Stern who have the talk shows, and, you know, those are fun and everything. Um, and... So we have a, a sports show out here, uh, and I have a concept for a new one to branch out to different places if I can find different places to stream it and different places to, to syndicate it. Uh, it's kind of like the average Joe show. So it's basically I'm so used to the corporate setup where they tell you every day what you're going to talk about and how you're going to talk about it. We'll get a script every single day that says, all right, you're going to talk about LeBron James. You're going to say this about him. You're going to say this about the Lakers. This is your topic for today. This is your whatever. And and what I don't like about it is they tell you this is your opinion on it. And you have to follow that script because that's what the, 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 the suits sitting in their offices listening to it want. What I to like me, to that, do and that, the re- <laughs> hold on, To hold me, on, that would be – here, here's that, what I want to do. That was a personality right go. out of you. Exactly. Yeah. So what here's I wanted, what I wanted to, to do was I wanted to set up a show where it's two guys or three guys or even a girl. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me gender-wise. But setting up a show where you talk sports like you would be talking sports in the bar with your buddies. And instead yep, of having that's a corporate... The best way the corporate feel, just shooting the shit with them because, you know, I can rattle off stats all day long and I can have opinions all day long. And, um, Icon, I do have to duck out, so I'm going to give Ken this quick story and then I'll let you take it because uh, I know I've been taking up more airways than usual. But a quick story, um, when I went to Connecticut School of Broadcasting, uh, I came back home and I had my local ESPN station. And I was, you know, I was interning and whatever and then it was. They knew I wanted a show. They knew I wanted to be on air, and they knew that you know I, I had gotten straight A's in my certificate in Connecticut School of Broadcasting. So I had a show set up, 10 to 12, um, you know. And they said, okay, 
you know, this is going to be your show, this is going to be whatever. I had the co-host ready. I had everything. The day before we were supposed to start, we had a, a, a guy, his name is Roger Weiland, um, for those of you who, who may be living in the area. They said he's coming over from Fox, he, from the Fox station, the local Fox station. He's coming to our, our ESPN home. And I said, oh, great. You know, I, I can pick his brain a little bit. I can learn some things from him. Everything would be, would be great. They said, yeah, he wants the 10 to 12 slot. And I said, well, we have the 10 to 12 slot. Like, we start tomorrow. You know, he goes, and I'll, I'll never forget, he told me he's been in the business longer than you've been alive. So we're going to give him the 10 to 12 spot if he wants it. What happened then was, obviously it was dejected, you know, it was dejected, it was deflating, but we went to the podcast element of it. We went to the internet radio aspect of it. And um, at first I hated it. At first I was like, this isn't radio, this is talking into a computer, this is awful. And then, but, you know, I, I, took, I took it, I rolled with it. And now I listen to the local station that I could have been on. Uh, well, I mean, I am on now, but I'm saying, you know, this was back then. Um, I, I was listening to it, and I said, you know what? Our show is only the 50-mile radius around Albany that people can listen to it uh, unless they choose to go online from somewhere else, you know. But they're all talking New York sports. They're talking Yankees, Mets, you know, Jets, Giants, whatever. And that's it, and they're talking about those things. When I was online, we were talking about the Vikings. We were talking about, you know, the, the, the Raiders moving to Las Vegas. We were talking all this stuff. And I was getting phone calls from Minneapolis. I was getting phone calls from Vegas. I was getting phone calls from these places. And we were able to have a much broader view and a much better discussion with actual local people that we wouldn't have had on the FM. So, in a way, it was a blessing. But... I like the idea of being able to have your own opinion, and that's why I like sort of, you know, what you're doing with it, with the nonprofit, because I've dealt with, you know, the corporate suits saying, you know, like I, I, had, a, I had a major opinion on the Redskins' name change. Some people have positive opinions. Some people have negative. I wasn't allowed to give what my real opinion was on the Redskins' name change to the commanders. It was – or to the football team at the time. Uh, I, had to, I had to go on and I had to talk about what ESPN corporate and um, the 104.5 team, you know, uh, uh, Town Square and Cumulus Media wanted me to talk about regarding that. And to me, that's just not fun. You know, that just doesn't – that doesn't that, – that takes everything out of it for me. So, you know, obviously with doing what you're doing and having a private sector, I, I really enjoy that. I really like that ad. Hey, that uh, Big Swing, uh, Big Swing. Before you go, there is one commercial that yeah. we have uh, in the board that I want you to play, and then we're then we're gonna uh, have uh, Ken break that down for us. Uh, the commercial about the sponsorship of Ken's. I want you to play that, and then uh, we're gonna talk to uh, Ken about that until you come back. Um. Okay, I think I have it here under Ken's FM. It's a minute long, right? Okay. Um, it, yep. It's hard to find on my phone, but I think, but but I think I got it. So I'm going to uh, step off here because I'm just getting back into civilization. Um, but I'm going to play this clip, and then you guys can talk here. So here we go. Hang on. As a non-commercial radio station, Ken's FM survives in large part by the generosity of listeners like you, who value public radio and have become a member. Your donation continues to allow us to support local artists and musicians 
and play the music you want to hear, not what advertisers think we should play. It enables us to broadcast feature story news so you can hear the news, not opinions. Public radio doesn't have an agenda. We're not in the business of pushing our point of view. Our mission is simple. Reflect your interests, not the interests of some corporation. If you believe that having an independent, non-commercial, public radio station in your community is a good idea, become a member now. Find out how by visiting our website at www.kensfm.com. And remember, independence has a cost. And it's as little as $10 a month. Okay, okay, Ken, so we're going to break that down. That's just basically what we've been talking about the whole time here. Now, when you say uh, feature story news and not opinions, uh, that means that you're not going to have a news uh, news uh, segment where it swings to one way or the other, right? Basically, what that what that means is that it's an unbiased uh, an unbiased news source, and that's about as close as to uh, an unbiased news source as we could find. Uh, even your local United States uh, uh, national news sources are biased. Uh, you've got Fox News, probably the worst for bias. Uh, even your CBS, ABC, and NBC news, they all have biases as well. And I thought that uh, getting a, a news source that's not headquartered on our country, these guys are from England, they're ABC-related uh, uh, news source, to me that would be a lot truer and a lot easier to get the information you need to make your own decisions and your own opinions and not be having some announcer or some team or something like that, some specialist ramming their thoughts down your throat, okay? Exactly. That's where Feature Story News comes from. It's a... Uh, uh, when you listen to it, it sounds like uh, uh, it sounds like they're all English, um, and uh, most of their uh, uh, reporters and anchors have like this uh, pretty thick English accent. Some are better than others, but still, it's uh, it's as close as I can get to an unbiased uh, news uh, source as uh, uh, as I can, and. Uh, and not have to pay like a billion dollars for it. Obviously, we're uh, on a low budget here. All right. Well, you are listening to Icon Power Hour Plus, Icon and Friends. Uh, we have uh, Ken Bartz, and now is where we're going to get Ken on his soapbox or office <laughs> soapbox, whatever the term is. So, here, Ken, so Ken this is what we're going to talk about. Now, okay. when you were trying to get the funding to start the station, uh, tell us how easy it was to go to your local bank and say, hey, can I get a loan so I can start a station? Tell us how easy that was. Uh, well, it was not easy. Uh, it was actually pretty much the hardest thing I ever did. Um, I was kind of naive thinking that uh, I was taking the banks and their advertising um, for surface value, face value. They uh, kept saying, oh, we've got money to lend, contact us, blah, 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 blah. 
you know, we have thousands of dollars we can loan you and uh, uh, interest rates and blah, blah, blah. Everything's fine. And we went to 11 banks. Every single one of them said no. And you know what the reason was? There were two of them. Uh, the most pr- prominent one was, uh, oh, you haven't been in business very long. We can't loan you any money. You don't have any track record. And then the other one is, oh, well, if you're the president of the corporation, we looked up your credit score, and it sucked. (laughs) Those are the two things that we kept running into. And uh, we finally found our funding funding, uh, in different ways. I basically bled out whatever savings I had, and then I went to our family uh, farm trust, that uh, was willing to loan me some money to complete the construction of our tower. That's how we got the station built. If it weren't for that, Ken's FM wouldn't be on the air. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, that's a good thing, because I thought you were going to say one of the two reasons was because you're going to have Icon on the air. (laughs) Well, I didn't know at that point in time that we were going to have you. And, uh, you know, fortunately, uh, I didn't know anything about you, although I think I met you earlier uh, as a producer for a a local talk show here in town. But uh, that was years and years before uh, that. Yeah, you had met me in 2000. Okay. Because we didn't start building the station, actually, until I think about 2010 is when we actually started construction. Uh, this is this is typical of uh, 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 American bureaucracy. We filed our application for the FCC in April of 1998, and we didn't get our construction permit until I think it was March of uh, 20. 2007, I think. We got our, uh, we actually got our uh, station license in 2014, January 14th of 2014. Would you be willing to? That's when we actually got licensed. Would you be willing to reveal, and I'll understand if you can't, but would you be willing to reveal, and it doesn't have to be exact, Mm -hmm. would you be willing to reveal what it costs? To buy a tower for a radio station? The funding that uh, you can't, just buying a tower is not going to get you on the air. There's a lot of other uh, details that uh, curtail that, including procuring the property. Uh, We had to sign a lease with uh, uh, a company down in Barnesville to... uh, uh, get enough land to actually put the tower and then uh, we had to apply for that location with the FCC and make sure that they would approve it and it didn't overlap with anything and then we had to have an engineering study done to make sure that the uh, uh, signal didn't overlap with anybody and then uh, uh, we had to go with the county and uh, the township to make sure that they were okay with putting a tower there. And uh, we even had people question, well, what kind of lights are you going to have? I don't want those bright white lights. 
Well, you know, I'm kind of an old school guy. I like the old uh, uh, soft red beacon uh, type lighting. And so, oh, well, that's fine. That's, that's great. But we ran into all kinds of that sort of stuff. And the best story I have for you, if you have time here, was uh, the meeting we that sure I do. had, the meeting that we had over at uh, the uh, uh, county uh, counts, council. Um, uh, I'm drawing a blank here for the name. But anyway, it was, uh, uh, they were the ones that had to approve. Chamber uh, of they Commerce were the ones or... I don't know if it was Chamber of Commerce. No, it was uh, City Commission. Uh, not the City Commission, but County Commission. Because uh, uh, we, we our, our tower is located in Cass County, and so we had to get approval from Cass County to build this tower. And so we had to um, uh, go in front of the City Commission with a proposal, and uh, they had to uh, uh, grant it, you know, before we could even start thinking about putting a tower down by Barnesville. Well, this is actually a culmination of two different instances here, but I'm going to try to combine it into one. Anyway, we met with the sure. city council, and uh, that was uh, that was fine. Um, actually, the guy, the interesting part of it is the guy that was ahead of the planning and zoning committee actually was the dad of one of the bands that we support, one of the uh, members cool. of the bands we support. And uh, when I went in to talk to him about, you know, where can we plant this tower at and, uh, you know, is it okay? To, well, you'll have to make a proposal and then uh, we'll bring it up to the city, you know, or the county uh, commission meeting uh, on their agenda. And he said, that, uh, are you the Ken Bartz that runs, uh, that works with uh, my son in uh, the local band? And I said, yeah. Uh, and I said, uh, they played live on the uh, in the studio a number of times here, you know, when we were online and uh, not on the air yet. And uh, so I had a friend right away there. But back to the meeting, the, the funniest story was that uh, originally we proposed a tower um, down by Sabin, Minnesota. And uh, it was right across the street, right across the highway from a farm. And it was a fairly large farm, and uh, uh, they found out that we were going to uh, uh, propose building a tower there, and they um, they uh, uh, went against it right away. And uh, the lady said that uh, they didn't want a uh, a big tower, ugly tower obstruction out uh, obstructing their view out there front door front room window of the wheat fields and stuff you know they like that pristine view and i said uh that's fine and dandy if we have to we'll plant flowers at the base of the tower for you well that didn't go over very well um and then uh uh, uh she came up with a uh, a bunch of stuff that she downloaded off the internet big thick stack of papers and said here this is uh what we're worried about is cancer. Our uncle has died of cancer. Our cousin died of cancer. And uh, we're afraid that the radiation off of this tower is going to cause cancer. And therefore, we don't think it's a good idea that you build this tower. And then I countered with a study from uh, a government study that said that uh, 
the amount of power we would be radiating off of this tower would be less than what you would get standing in front of your microwave waiting for your popcorn to pop. How often do you do that? And so, you know, this wasn't going over very well at all. And uh, uh, finally, uh, 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 her her last rebuttal was that uh, uh, it was going to be a 300-foot eyesore, and she didn't want it out in her front yard, you know. Well, I was getting pretty tired by that time, and I finally piped up and said, you know, your background and my background are really different. You come from a rural farm-type background, and my background is technology, and I embrace new technology. And I know that you would not like it, but I would love to have a 1,000-foot tower in my backyard. And everybody exploded laughing in the, in, 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 in the, in the room there. Well, you know, and... Uh, and then she says, afterwards, afterwards, she said, uh, we walked outside. Afterwards, she said, don't you care about anybody else? And I thought, you know, I didn't say anything, but I thought, you know what? You should be answering that question. <laughs> you know, I, I, have two, I have two questions about that. You know, uh just think, if you if if you would have known me back in the day, you know what I would have did for you, Ken? I would have called up because he was still alive at the time. I would have called up Bob Ross and I would have had him paint a picture of a wheat field with a radio <laughs> tower in it. <laughs> well, I you know I was I was I was being kind of a brat back then, and uh, you know the, the comments like planting a flower garden at the base of the tower for her. Or and all of that sort of stuff. That was all me just being ornery, because I didn't see her point of view at all. You know, she was uh, she well, was know, willing to she was willing to stop technology just because of her background and uh, her her mood. You know, she didn't want uh, any technology uh, there, and I thought to myself. Well, if you don't like technology, I'll tell you what. I'll take away your microwave oven. I'll take away your cell phone. I'll take away your television. And God help you if you have to listen to the radio. Um, and then we'll see how uh, how much uh, uh, you you hate technology, you know. With, well, okay, with that being said, then my next point is, what prevented you from just putting the tower up in your backyard? Um, can't do it. Sydney ordinances are against okay. it, and uh, it's uh, outside of the uh, little tiny hole that we have that will not interfere with anybody else. And that hole happened to be right around oh. Barnesville. Okay, all right. Wow. So you know you've uh, you basically uh, you so. You went to 18 different banks. So we, we're on, uh, you're listening to 89. Uh, you're not listening to 89.1. You're listening to uh, the Icon uh, and Friends Power Hour Plus. Uh, Ken Barnes is our guest here. we got about uh, 25, 30 minutes here left with Ken. So you went to 18 different banks, and you got 18 different denials, kind of like when I tried to get a date for prom, you know. But <laughs> the, 
And, and that's true. I told that story. I, I asked 12 girls out, 13 turned me down. The one girl came up and said, don't even think about asking me. Fine, I get that. So, but, you know, so you, uh, so, but you kept on going. You, you got turned down 18 times. You kept on going. But when you finally went into a bank, and uh, I guess this would have been the 19th one, whatever it is, and you did you go in thinking, okay, I'm going to get this one, or did you go in there thinking uh, with not very high hopes, did you think it was just going to turn out like the other ones? Uh, the B. Uh, I had kind of lost faith in trying to uh, procure a loan from a banking institution. Um, basically, what I found out was, uh, yeah, the banks had money to loan, but the only way they would loan it to you is if you didn't need it. And yes, I, needed it, I heard that you know? too. <laughs> that's, that's really about it. And so that's when I had to start thinking outside the box and start thinking, okay, how cheap can I do this? How, you know, what's the most inexpensive way I can get this thing on the air to get it running so that we can at least start generating some kind of revenue via uh, sponsorships and uh, memberships and stuff and not have to call, include, you know, the big banking system. And it was about that time that uh, uh, I lost my mo- uh, my dad and uh, my mom was the only beneficiary of the uh, farm trust. And uh, I lost my mom in 2015. So uh, uh, she was able to help support me a little bit there. And then the rest of it all came from a reverse mortgage on my house, which I had never heard of. But uh, there are some complications with a reverse mortgage. Uh, I got in in time before they started they started requiring uh, credit checks. And uh, uh, they didn't have to have a credit check when I applied. And so that helped me out. And then the other thing that helped me out was that uh, – uh, when you have a reverse mortgage, you don't have a payment, and then they will they will uh, basically loan you money uh, for the value of the house up front, and that paid for the tower and whatever else I had to, uh, you know, antenna and building and all of that. That paid for that. So that's how I got the thing funded. I didn't have to go through a bank. And right now, um, I don't owe any money on the station. It's all paid for. All I have to do is uh, eventually, if I move out of the house, the reverse mortgage will kick in, and I'll have to sell the house to pay back the loan. So, uh, you know, we uh, I, unfortunately, you know, we don't have, you know, we only have about uh, 25 minutes here. We we don't have the whole uh, uh, time to go into the the reverse mortgage thing. But I've always been kind of interested about that. You know, of course, everybody knows the the most famous spokesman. Uh, for a reverse mortgage is Magnum PI, you know. Uh, I mean, we've all seen the commercials, you know. So I've always kind of been kind of uh, been kind of curious. I'll ask you one question about that, and then uh, we'll have uh, Luke uh, throw a few questions uh, your way. Uh, so now, basically, uh, when you do the reverse mortgage, you they get, they cut you a check for the value of your house. So now, when you uh, sell the house. Uh, you don't get any money from your house because you got to pay out the reverse mortgage loan. Is that right? Yeah, you lose basically. You lose the um, what does they call that? Uh, uh, 
you you lose the ability to use that funding elsewhere. Uh, that funding is now all tied up with the reverse mortgage, and you will never see that money back because uh, uh, when you uh, move out of your house and there's no other family member living in the house, then uh, the government requires you to sell that to pay off the uh, loan you have with the reverse mortgage. Now, they didn't cut me a check for the whole value of the house. They cut me a check for what I needed to do to um, uh, get the uh, station paid for it and get it built. So there's a little difference there. So uh, I don't know. I could probably go back and look and see what, uh, uh, you know, my house now is worth almost $200,000, which is a whole different thing. It was the most beautiful thing in the world that I ever did was to buy a house because the only thing real estate does is it uh, inflates. It uh, increases. And uh, uh, my house I bought for $54,000. Uh, in 1989, and it is now worth almost 200000 So now, well, so if you sell a house for $200,000, you are not going to get 200000 right? You lose all that money that you sell it for, right? Yep. Uh, what's going to happen is all that money is going to go to the, uh, the lending institution and the bank that finance the lending institution. So now let me ask you this then. Uh, let's say that, uh, you know, and I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on this because I know Luke's got a few questions. Uh, and I, and like I said, I'm not a mortgage guy. And I don't want to touch on something that you probably don't want to talk about, and I'll understand that. But uh, now let's say you had like uh, next to kin or, uh, you know, like uh, someone that you could pass it on to. You can't do that either, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, as long as there's next to kin, uh the, the reverse mortgage will keep on going. The only way that the reverse mortgage is dissolved is if you move out or a family member moves out and there's no family member uh, residing in the home anymore, then the reverse mortgage has to go and sell it or the, the reverse mortgage company has to sell it or you can sell it depending upon uh, uh, what's going on. And then uh, they said that... Uh, Whatever loan is against the reverse mortgage, um, if uh, the selling price doesn't cover the loan that is on the reverse mortgage, then the government will take care of that. So it's really pretty much just off the books as far as my family goes. So real quick here, let's say that uh, you did the reverse mortgage at the time for, say, 50000 and you sell the house for twenty thousand or two hundred thousand. Let's say you you did the reverse mortgage for fifty thousand, and you sell the house for two hundred thousand. You don't get to keep one hundred fifty thousand. It all goes away. That's right. It all goes to the mortgage company, or uh, whatever the case may be. But remember that initial loan or that initial amount check that they wrote you. Uh, doesn't stay put because there's interest being added onto it every month. And uh, the interest rate is not really low. It's, I forget what it is, but nowadays it's, I think it was 4% at one time, but uh, it keeps building up. And uh, if I were to take a look at the, uh, 
the loan amount now, it probably, this was what, 10 years ago now? Uh, 10 years yep. ago, I had to borrow like 35000 I think, against the uh, value of the house and the reverse mortgage. And uh, I think that uh, with interest now, that loan is up to like 150000 or 149000 the last time I looked. So in 10 wow. years, uh, that loan has grown $100,000. Wow. So I guess that leads me to the next point. You said you can't give it to the next kid. I think both me and Luke are up for adoption. <laughs> if you want a if you want a thousand square foot house, but uh, it's meant all the world to me because uh, even though I'm not going to be getting anything else out of my house, um, you know, from here on in, I have something else. I have a radio station, and that radio station yes. to me is worth way more than any kind of a uh, reverse mortgage loan that I can get. Well, yeah, we have awesome. uh, we have Ken Barsha we got uh, 22 minutes. Uh, so, Luke, uh, before you start calling Ken Bart's dad, uh, what are your <laughs> questions? Go ahead. <laughs> well, well, Ken, I, I wanted to, like after you got done all that all that fun stuff, all the paperwork, all the you know back and forth with the you know everything. Um, what was it like actually after having your station built and having the, the, like the first night of broadcast? That must have been like Christmas. I mean, sitting down at your, you know, just just when you're ready to go on air, like you're like, what was that like? I was a little nerve wracking, uh, in a way. Um, it was a really proud moment. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it was like a time where um, uh, everything that I've done, everything that I've worked for had come to a point of fruition and that I had actually made something. I had actually done something and uh, I had accomplished something. And uh, the I remember the moments before we went on live. Uh, if you go and look <clears throat> at that, uh, excuse me about the drinking here. Okay. Um, the moments before that video and uh, there's a, a countdown timer that you see at the beginning of the video uh, indicating when we first signed on. Moments oh, before cool. that, uh, it culminated in me tearing up uh, because this was such a proud moment. I have yeah. to toot my horn a little bit here and say that I am probably one of only a few on this planet that has been able to attest to the fact that they have stayed with a childhood dream, you know, a childhood uh, uh, project, followed it all the way through adulthood, and in adulthood brought it to fruition and accomplished what he wanted to do. Not too many kids do that. Most of them say, well, I'm going to be a fireman or I'm going to be an arranger or something like that. And then, of course, they start going through school and they, they blow it all off. I never did. I never did that. I stuck with it because obviously there have been costs. I'm a single guy. I'm not married. I don't have any kids. Uh, I really don't think I could have probably pursued a family life and this at the same time. 
I don't think that'd be possible. Well, you got the well, family you know, with Jeff, the music. Hey, yeah. Well, Sorry. well, you know, Ken, I'm not just, I'm not just saying this here uh, because Ken, this is coming from this is coming from, straight from the heart. You know me. I'm not just saying this because you're on or whatever. And I believe Luke and Big Swing can uh, uh, can echo what I'm about to say. We are proud to be connected with you. We're proud to be on the air for you. We're proud to be able to help you any way that we can to do anything we need to do for you whenever you need it. We are here for you always. Bring it on, Luke and Big Swing. I can start a lemonade stand. <laughs> hey, but, we tried that with Rocks and Pop this summer. That was kind of fun. We set up uh, a little canopy out of my driveway here, and we sold uh, Rocks and Pop for five bucks. And uh, I can't help with that, too. That canopy is still standing. Well, it's got a bunch of snow on it, and it's kind of leaning, but it's still standing. Awesome. Well, you know, well, I know, Ken, you'll probably think I'm just saying this, but I'll tell you what. Some of the funnest things that I've ever uh, experienced with you is not only like the first time you met me when I was just wearing nothing but garbage bags because the show I was working for at the time dropped me up at the same and exit, uh, which is kind of fun because that's where you're going to build the tower. They dropped me up at the same and exit, took my clothes, made me hitchhack back to the station to get a job. And the first day I met you, I was wearing nothing but garbage bags. And that was one. That was the first experience I ever had meeting you, and uh, and uh, putting that putting that uh, up together with you. That was really really fun. And doing that remote, doing the doing the bratwurst. I I uh, I love cooking that. Even though I found you and I both found out that we are definitely not eating gourmets at all. We, we well, I have to. For we, we, yes, we have to really thank the uh, Jeff, our neighbor, for really uh, saving our butt on that. He brought over, he brought his own gas grill, and uh, he's quite a uh, uh, he's quite a culinary uh, uh, schooled uh, individual there that uh, knows how to cook brats. Uh, not too much to it, I guess, but uh, uh, there is kind of a knack. Uh, in using a gas grill, so. So I guess with that being said, uh, do you think we'll get to do a remote like that again? Oh, I'm hoping so. Uh, as long as we can keep the canopy up, that canopy saved our butt a number of times because it was, I think, the first, uh, the first, the first sale we had. Uh, it rained pretty much the whole week, and. Uh, well, you know, we we learned one thing, and the farmers will love us. We learned one thing. If uh, if we're in a drought, all we gotta do is have a remote in Ken's driveway, <laughs> <laughs> and it'll rain. Yep. <laughs> but you know, I'll tell you what. Uh, now, now, Ken, uh, I know Big Swinger's gonna answer the uh, ask this uh, because he's kind of a smart ass, believe it or not. Uh, apparently, he's been hanging out with me too much. But the one question <laughs> he was gonna ask you. Is uh, what your exact opinion on the icon is? I know he was gonna, he wanted to ask that, and I'm not gonna take offense. I'm just quite curious. 
what your answer would uh, that would be to his question? What would my answer be? Well, let's see. You need a haircut. Uh, maybe lose a little weight. Uh, I, that could probably fix just by a little more exercise, but it seems like you're busy all day long. Uh, right. Other than that, you're probably the uh, most helpful, most useful guy I have ever run into and uh, the most dedicated and uh, uh, what do they call that, uh, willing-to-help type guy that I have known uh, that is willing to help me with the station and keep things going. Uh, you've got uh, you you got a big heart there too as well. Well, you know, I'll tell you what. After uh, I think that explains why I have two heart attacks. Because my heart is too big, so big that it's uh, it itself. You know. But uh, we got uh, we got about, uh, let's see we got about uh, four minutes here. Uh, before we uh, have to uh, sign out, but uh, you know the the cool thing, Ken, and uh, that we'll, we'll I was I say this till the end because it, I know it was going to be a kind of a short subject, uh, but uh, when it comes to uh, radio, everybody always talks about ratings. Everybody you know like television. Everybody says what's the rating, what's the listenership, and stuff like that. You really don't uh, have to deal with the rating thing, do you? The ratings will always be there because it's a measurement. It's like a feedback of how well you're doing your job. And uh, uh, unfortunately for public radio, uh, rating services don't seem to be very effective. Um, over the years, the stations that have been rated are commercial stations. And, of course, we're a non-commercial. But that doesn't mean we don't have listeners. It's just that uh, maybe our listeners don't fill out diaries as well as, uh, you know, uh, commercial radio listeners. Um, there's a whole, a, whole, uh, uh, a whole conversation we can have about what uh, public radio can do that commercial radio is not. And um, I think one of the funniest, uh, not funniest, but the, one of the serious uh, things that I ever heard of uh, in the readings world was uh, in Arbitron, um, if you take a look in the – they used to send out books. I guess everything is online now. And uh, it used to be you would get a book if you subscribed to Arbitron. In the back of the book, it gives you the statistics of how the numbers were compiled. And it tells you how many diaries were sent out, how many we received back, and how many were filled out. And in a town, a community of 250,000 people during the summer, um, only 400 diaries actually were returned. So that means that there were only 400 people determining who was number one in the ratings. To me, that seems flawed. It is. It is very much so. Yeah, that's, and so uh, it's gotten a little better with social media now. Uh, you can go online to uh, we're up on Facebook. Ken's FM is up on Facebook. Um, you can go online and uh, take a look and read the feedback 
that people have given our station. And I think there's like 50, 40-some uh, reviews, and almost all of them are five-star positive. And uh, awesome. that tells you something that uh, uh, people appreciate what we're doing and that uh, that is the feedback, that is our ratings of uh, what people think of our station. And I think that it's important that you you know that because we're not here to make money. We're here to create a service and to make enough money to keep that service afloat. That's not the philosophy of corporate radio. The philosophy of corporate radio is do as minimal as you can and maximize your uh, bottom line. And that's actually true of almost any business. That's awesome. I I, I like yeah. that. That is really cool. Yeah, that is that is it, it, and it's and it, it comes through in the honesty, you know. Right. Your your uh, voice well, is you know, the thing. The other thing that you'll know about me if you talk to me enough is that uh, my life revolves around radio. I am 100% radio. Um, I've been in television a little bit, but uh, my real experience has been almost 50 years in radio. And uh, it all goes back to that little six-transistor radio under my pillow at night listening to KOMA and listening to those DJs and wanting to do exactly what they were doing. That's awesome. And that, that is passion right there. Very passionate. You I, guess. I guess that's, that's the best way to describe it. Definitely yeah, passionate living about your what I do. Living your dream. That's awesome. Yep. I love it. You got a big record collection, too? Uh, no. Oh, my God. Steve. <laughs> <laughs> How long would it take you to uh, move your record collection? <laughs> I bet you got some good ones, man. Holy moly. Well, a lot of albums, it's in the thousands. Um, <laughs> wow. A lot of albums and a lot of 45s that I've collected over the years. Oh, and, man, uh, that's awesome. Uh, we have, uh, uh, we've, uh, we filed for a couple of LPFMs during this last window. Not we, I can't do that. Uh, but uh, I've uh, assisted filing for a couple of uh, nonprofits in the west end of the state and are going to build the uh, uh, LPFMs for them and uh, set them up. And one of them is going to be an oldies format, um, 90.5. And uh, it's, going to be, uh, 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 it's going to be labeled oldies 95, oldies 90.5. And then uh, we are putting together a format of uh, from uh, late 50s all the way through to 1980, not including 1980. 1980 was kind of like the turnover point of the uh, the new British invasion. Uh, the new wave stuff started in 1980, and that was kind of a difference from uh, the stuff in the 50s and 60s. And that's what we're focusing on. So we've got music from the 50s, 60s. Uh, the disco era, the 70s, we're not playing a lot of that. But we have been able to accumulate, just out of my collection, 849 titles to play. Oh, nice. Man, uh, you know, I'm, I've always been an old soul myself. And I I, um, I just I can't get enough of um, I, 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 Loretta Lynn doing make, Only Make Believe with um, 
what is it? What is the? Uh, you know who I'm talking about? Um, George, is it George? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but I just watched the movie George about Loretta Lynn. Uh, was it George Jones or it was um, it was Loretta Lynn? Only make believe um, with Loretta Lynn, and I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on his name. Great do great uh, uh, collaboration. Um, and uh, I just um, it, I, that movie, she was going around at the radio stations and really promoting herself, and and I was th- and and, and it was I just her. Her. It was I think uh, I remember that Loretta Lynn was uh, was the the gal that she was playing, um, and it was Sissy Spacek I think was the actor, and uh, I remember that show. Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tommy Lee Jones was the guy's name. And he yeah, would drive yeah, around looking for all these towers, and and uh, he yeah, kept calling them he kept calling them transformers. They're not transformers. They're transmitters, you know. But that's how yeah. that's how it started, you know, back in those days. And uh, that was you, you had to do it yourself record, and you had to market it yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, that, that's awesome. Sorry. The song, the song, uh, only make believe was with Loretta Lynn and Conway Twitty. Yeah, okay. Conway Twitty. Conway Twitty and, and Loretta Lynn. I love that song, man. Oh. It's amazing. Most of uh, my uh, radio experience has been in country music radio. So you, you mentioned a country music artist, and I probably have played it. <laughs> oh, nice. I think my favorite country music, though, is uh, the uh, modern country from the 80s. Um, you know, Hal Kencham, uh, Clint Black, uh, uh, even um, Dwight Yoakam, uh, three of my favorite uh, artists from the 80s. Okay, those would be nice. Those would be nice. Because that, that's, that's where my country music fandom is, is uh, 90s country. I uh, not that anybody cares, but I'm fluent in uh, '50s uh, rock and roll, uh, nice. '90s country, and uh, uh, '90s '96, uh, '97, '98, '99 pop, uh, which they used to play on Whiny Four here in Fargo. Uh, well, I think uh, we we have a limited time here because I know that. Uh, uh, our uh, our time here is uh, not as uh, uh, long gated as uh, we have on uh, on Monday night because uh, Ken uh, gives us uh, has granted us uh, graced us with two hours on his station every Monday night and uh, you know like I say uh, we can't thank him enough is why uh, Ken I'll I'll do anything for you whenever you need it I'm always here to help you uh, you know that. You've been phenomenal and, uh, so far. I mean, you've helped me a lot. Uh, uh, you know, as as I always say, when aging issues come up, it takes a younger person to help you out, and you've been that. That's very, very appreciative. And uh, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, uh, someone brought up your garbage can, so you didn't have to go all the way to the end of the driveway to get it last night. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I haven't been outside yet today because of the blizzard, so... Uh, uh, I didn't yep. check that, but uh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, it's not a problem. Well, I'll tell you what, Ken. Uh, you know, if you need anything during the week, you know, uh, you have my number. Give me a call. I'm not going to give my number now because then everybody's going to call me to ask them for favors. But uh, we uh, we love you, Ken. Thank you, and I will see you next Monday. 
Well, sounds good. Uh, thanks uh, again, everything uh, uh, there, uh, Icon, and it's great talking with the rest of you. Uh, um, I know yeah. uh, Big Squing was here for a while, and then uh, uh, Luke. Uh, we we <laughs> Luke. That's his name. I'm sorry. Uh, no worries. That's another. That's another age-related thing. When when your short-term memory gets really short. <laughs> Well, I like but, the uh, talking also, to you too so. as well. well Luke, it. Oh, it's been, a, it's been well, awesome. Well, Ken, the one so, thing about uh, Luke is he always uses the force. Yep. Oh, you know, I'm sure not. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, you know what? Uh, I've been a true, true pleasure and real um, awesome just by learning, uh, like, just, it's just, I, I mean, I'm standing in the midst of two Jedis right now, so, you know, so it's really cool. Uh, <laughs> well, that's awesome. I'm a big Star Wars fan, too. I don't know if I've been to all of them. I've uh, been to the six major ones, of course, and then you've had yeah. all these little ones in between that uh, kind of, you know, added to the story or whatever. And uh, with Anakin Skywalker, but uh, uh, I am a, uh, my biggest uh, uh, my biggest uh, science fiction film to date still is uh, Steven Spielberg's Close Encounters. I always love that film, and uh, oh, to believe yeah. that all of those effects that he created were analog. There was no wow, computer yeah. generated nothing in that film, and uh, of course it was seventy seven yeah. is when it came out. So, oh, it's so much better. With it. Like, I mean, like Jim Henson, um, you know, like that was always one of my um, role models too. Because I mean, like, you know, CGI just it it just feels like the uh, the you know just a cheap way to do it, uh, and it's just yeah, bad. It because, feels like, plastic. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You said it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's been it's been a, a great time. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, we got to get going here, guys. Uh, Ken, I'll see you next week. Uh, Luke, I'll see you next Tuesday. And uh, if cool. uh, I need to fill in for uh, the uh, Tuesday sh- or the Monday show, I will uh, text you. Awesome. Cool, cool. Well, have a good night, uh, gentlemen. Take care, guys. All right. Yeah, you See you too. later. Good night. Good night. Bye-bye. You think you know me.